In a concentration camp there are a melee of experiences, but they come one after the other. The first stage of imprisonment manifests itself as shock upon admittance into a prison. An inmate is met with a frightening feeling of a new, cruel reality. As was common with inmates at concentration camps, there were incidents where the newbies were still reeling from the shock of being snatched from normalcy and cast into a hell-like existence. With time though, the shock gave way to apathy, a total disregard for any kind of emotion, probably even the lack of it. Since the paramount desire of the prisoner was to protect himself, his inner self, apathy was essential to prevent you from bothering about anyone but yourself. The author suggests that as the exterior hardens and dulls, there can be a complementary increase in the quality of the spirit. This first manifested as dreams, vivid dreams of a future free from their present imprisonment or at least a cessation of their suffering. But for some, this kind of suffering only reduced them to a primitive desire for just food, their dreams and discussions were rife with meals they wish they could eat once this imprisonment ended. There was no need for trivial desires like sex or anything that didn't ensure the prisoner's survival and as such there was a drastic dip in libido among the inmates. They didn't care for much, except for politics and religion, religion although stood out. As it would seem, one's spirit grew stronger as we search for a meaning for our present physical situation. Those that were visibly built to withstand the physical torture fell easily under the mental, spiritual torture but those with a soft exterior but with a tougher mind held up pretty well. The author cites also that love, for a family member or a friend, was a key component in wanting to survive. His wife's fate though unknown to him, didn't make him love her less or make him feel less relieved whenever he conjured her in daydreams. Suffering might be deathly, but love is as strong as death. In a really rough situation, simply knowing that you had someone you'd live for made it easier to make it through. These memories didn't have to be of loved ones necessarily, they could be of easier times. The mind of an incarcerated man will replay fond memories and keep him in a state of blissful reminisce as a form of relief. The mind can also become more attuned to art, beauty and nature or heighten the prisoner's sense of humor even. The theory that man can survive just about anything was tested and proven in Nazi concentration camps, where scores had to endure what can only be described as hell on earth, but some still survived to tell the story regardless of the fact that all went through the same ordeal. Nine. The author describes suffering as a gas and the soul a chamber, suffering will completely fill out the chamber if you keep pumping it in, at some point, the soul will be completely overrun with the sufferings and the man might give up on living. But in the midst of this dire reality, you start to notice that there is clarity of mind, and the littlest things can bring you profound joy, simply knowing that you might get two slices of bread instead of one made a world of difference to the inmates at Poland's death camps or knowing that your camp didn't have gas chambers. These seemingly simple things made it easier for the mind to process relief. The author believes that regardless of the situation one finds himself, he has a choice to let it change him or to stay steadfast in his original design. Most prisoners often resort to despicable methods of survival and blame it on their surroundings but a man's right to choose who he is and who he'll be in the face of trouble can't be stolen from him. As an imprisoned man searches for meaning in his situation, he must see it as an opportunity to obtain fulfillment and find a purpose because without suffering, life cannot be complete. He shouldn't in his desire to survive, lose his humanity. The author states that the most trying part of the imprisonment was that he didn't know for how long he'd be locked up for. This usually caused a lot of people in concentration camps to give up and simply waste away because they couldn't imagine a future beyond their lives behind barbed wire fences. 
although these challenges were actually meant to frame a stronger spiritual growth, not all are able to see it as such and their life became essentially worthless. The author believes that suffering loses its effect once you understand it and can make sense of it, once you do, you free up space for faith in the future and strengthen your grasp on both the spiritual and mental truths. Life isn't a set of vague answers, it is a question you must answer daily with the actions you take and the choices you make, prisoner of Auschwitz or Wall Street broker. Humans search for meaning all the time, longing for something other than the reality we are born into. Man as a creature, cannot live a life without meaning, something to tether his existence to. It is a primary motivation, a form of instinctive longing for something beyond this form of reality that controls this one. It is argued that meaning is an arbitrary concept conjured in form of defense mechanism but the author believes that it goes beyond rationale but into a deeper conviction, one can live or die for their ideals, values, and meaning. Even though some people have put up faux ideals and pseudo-values, this doesn't exempt them entirely from the need to attach veil, meaning to their lives as these pseudo-values govern their lives still. A study shows that about 90% of people believe that humans need something to keep them going, while 61% admitted they had that someone they'd either die or live for. Man can be faced with frustration whilst trying to exercise his right to define his own meaning. This conflict which the author has named existential frustration, occurs when there is great difficulty encountered as he strives to exist, find meaning for his existence and find the will to define a meaning for his life. This results in noogenic neuroses, nous's Greek meaning mind, which refers to the great distress of the mind as it tries and fails to find meaning in its current engagement or situation. Sometimes, as we try to find a meaning for our lives, it can do more harm than good, causing inner tension even. But this conflict is needed because for a man to effectively survive just about anything, he needs a meaning or at least the knowledge that he can secure one by searching. The feeling of discontent with what one has accomplished and the desire to improve upon it makes for a better state of mental health. One might already feel content with their current state, but don't be afraid to challenge your mind with the potential of even greater meaning for his life. This is thus his will to meaning. This tension that keeps one searching for a new meaning is dubbed no dynamics and is applicable for both neurotic and normal people. People, however, suffer from a constant feeling of meaninglessness termed the existential vacuum. This is due to the need to either conform to popular trends or act in a way suggested by others directly or indirectly because his base instincts of who to be or what to do have been eroded constantly thus leaving a vacuum to be filled and man isn't equipped to fill it with independent or original ideas. This vacuum is the cause of the growing boredom in today's generation, the emptiness of a meaningless existence will leave a deep feeling of boredom that causes a lot of mental distress. Some of which include, aggression, depression, and addiction which often culminate in suicide. Some people find temporary reprieve in a will to money or a will to pleasure since they continue to grasp and fail to hold on to a will to meaning. This is the place of logotherapy, psychoanalytic treatment that employs a search for logos or meaning. It can fill the vacuum up with a concrete meaning and prevent a relapse into destructive habits. Life has meant many different things to many different people, and its meaning continues to change. For life, it means a whole list of things, varying from man to man and as fickle as man is, this meaning can change over time. Thus we can only define life's meaning in a given time and situation and person. There is no definite or abstract meaning for life, only a relative ever-changing one. So don't ask, what is life, but ask instead, what is life for me? Thus, logotherapy challenges to define the individual's essence of existence.
It hands patients the awareness of their own role in defining their own existence. A man must first ask why he is before he proceeds to be. A logotherapist must thus help the patient to see his life more clearly. A patient can find meaning with one of three ways, doing a deed experiencing something, someone, and developing an attitude toward unavoidable suffering. He can attempt to find meaning in an accomplishment whilst in or he seeks to mean whilst experiencing something beautiful like culture and nature or by experiencing someone in their truest nature, by loving them. Love as a concept has been misconstrued by humans, but really it is the one way to really encounter another person's core, know their true selves. Love makes it possible to both see all the person's traits and the potential they possess for even more and also to help them reach their full potential. In logotherapy, love isn't merely sex but the primary instinct from which the desired sex is born and as such, sex is merely one of the many ways of expressing love. The third mode of finding meaning in suffering. First, we must agree that suffering in itself is a form of life and as such has its meaning. What then is the meaning of suffering? Or a life of suffering? This refers to the state of great physical distress constantly encountered until it becomes normal. One can seek meaning from this state but suffering is not necessary for meaning. Is there an ultimate meaning then? Yes, logotherapy seeks to identify this one super meaning regardless of the person's religious standpoint by not simply trying to draw from the patient's belief a meaning that only makes their situation even worse but giving them meaning within their belief system that ultimately explains their lives. Life is transitory, as such, there is always a finite sum of all it can be or give you. Logotherapy recognizes this and only seeks to help you take a grateful look at your days instead of a pessimistic outlook. Logotherapy is a technique in psychotherapy that combats everyday difficulties. We've had brief mentions of logotherapy in contrast to psychotherapy but here we'll go a little deeper into the details of the technique and what it aims to achieve. In combating everyday difficulties like for example fear, logotherapy has developed a technique to handle cases of crippling fear. First, it finds a starting point which is common in neurotic patients, anticipatory anxiety, which produces that one thing the patient fears the most. The same logic applies to forced intentions, which refers to a condition where for example one seeks direly to reach orgasm and the more he focuses on it, the harder it will be for him to reach it. This is termed hyperintention and has a similar condition known as hyperattention which can lead to sickness because the patient might have paid undue attention to a condition and its symptoms and ended up getting inflicted by it. A fix for these conditions is a technique known as paradoxical intention which aims to rid one of an anticipatory fear by engaging knowingly in thoughts that can cause the intended effects. Like if you were scared of sweating in public, you should think, I wonder how much I can sweat this time. The logic is, if you can yourself to increase the amount each time, then you can in effect reduce it to zero. As logotherapy seeks to combat neurosis, it must first approach it in relation to the ages of the sufferers. For the most, neurosis is a form of nihilism, the belief that man is nothing but the result of biological, psychological and sociological conditions, or the product of heredity and environment. This feeling of nothingness isn't any different from the existential vacuum from earlier. Logotherapy states with certainty that man indeed isn't anything but a finite being that isn't just a product of an environment but the one in charge of what the environment makes of him. The author says that man can always determine his nature in the face of any situation because there exists no condition that can completely him of freedom. Thusly, even in a neurotic state, the patient has even a residue of freedom to decide to be cured or to stay in this state. 
For these concepts to be true to the author, who is himself a psychiatrist, he himself believes in the freedom a man possesses in determining who he'll be in the face of suffering, he can seek refuge in love or in a higher appreciation for the life he once had before the suffering. He believes that man possesses pan-determination, no matter what, he will rise to challenge the situation and not be trodden down by it. This mind state can be seen as tragic optimism, the belief that there is some good in a completely hopeless situation. This state is consistent with three things, pain, guilt, and death. Tragic optimism holds up regardless of these three, but how? This is because of the belief that life, in any form, holds some meaning and has such a greater purpose than suffering. Tragic optimism, in logotherapy, seeks to turn to suffer into a human achievement, using guilt as a chance to better oneself and draw incentive from life's transitory nature to take responsibility for his own life. This state can't be forced, hyperintention, we need a reason to feel emotions as humans. One can, in fact, learn to be tragically optimistic, if he can will himself to find the greater meaning in his suffering, to not give up or turn to immediate pleasure, drugs, sex and crime. Man retains his dignity and freedom, even though in residual amounts, the logotherapist must then help the patient find this remaining part of himself and give it life long enough for it to exist on its own and replace the void eating away at the soul. Conclusion Daily, we are confronted with unpleasant moments in our lives or for some like the prisoners of Auschwitz, a life of suffering, how we react is entirely up to us. A situation, no matter how dire, cannot change who you are, love and will be, you but have to seek the meaning of this life for you and make peace with your now and envision a future for yourself beyond the suffering. A life devoid of meaning or a desire for a future will soon burn out. The inmates of concentration camps were subjected to the worst conditions possible, but some made it out with their souls and minds intact, they remained good people because instead of letting the situation define their lives, they sought one and posed answers to the questions life gave them. Try this, in today's society, the crisis with an existential vacuum is eating deeper daily, if you find yourself feeling meaningless or you are stuck in a job that presents you with zero meaning or fulfillment, it is your responsibility to design your own happiness. You can seek the help of experts to guide you to achieve a richer fuller life with meaning.